This episode of Tinfoil Tales comes with a content warning and a reminder that this podcast is for mature audiences only. Alessa, I haven't been paying attention, man. The moon doesn't look normal. You keep the pressure on, correct? We stay until we win. Is that right? At the moment, you're under arrest for incitement. Have you guys been following me? We're winning, folks. Okay, we're winning. We're pushing back the dark. You ask simply two questions to find a filthy Freemason demolet. Where did you go to school? Which primary school? Which high school? And who's your daddy? Hey guys, welcome to Tinfoil Tales. I'm Sauce. Welcome, I'm Sandy. So, we are back with another update episode to take a quick look at some stuff that's been happening. We've got a few things to look at today, but we are going to start with election fraud. Woo-hoo. Yep, that's right. Another election has been cruelly stolen from our freedom warriors. Democracy is dead. It sure is, Sandy. I mean, we knew they were stealing ballots, but then we saw them changing ballots in plain sight which just shows how much they hate freedom to be doing it right in front of our eyes. But that was nothing compared to what was happening with the actual vote counting. So let's go back to election day. The sun came up on March 25th and all the volunteers headed to their allocated election booths to try to convince people to vote for the party that on one hand wants to uphold and defend the principles of life, liberty, security and the right to the pursuit of happiness for all citizens and residents regardless of race, colour, creed or gender. But on the other hand, recognises the beneficial role that the Christian worldview and its teachings have had in shaping Australia that seeks to protect children from conception and enforce the traditional family unit. Oh, and obviously the party that wants to usher in Nuremberg 2.0. I mean, when you say it like that, how did they not get voted in? All right, here we are, New South. I was just picking up more stuff, doing the rounds of the 28 booze we got down here, guys. We got people going into scrutiny here, so Mel's just in getting more photo stack copies. But guys, get out, New South Wales, get out in your numbers. Vote you for you. All right, just a one above the line in Group U, folks. That's all we need. Again, Saturday, the uh, the feeling on the ground is unbelievable, guys. We're winning heaps of votes, all right? I, um, yeah, I believe me and Bozy will be going through and possibly taking another couple with us. That's the way it's looking. There's pens in the booths. Okay, we still know boxes are going. Everyone's in dispute over the rules. Well, we only know the rules as the AEC write the rules, guys. And from their rule book, they're not to be moved without, you know, the correct procedures. And that's not adhering to. So let's see how it goes, guys. Thanks to everybody who's out there doing their thing this morning in New South Wales. Let's get them. Put Bozy in. 28 puts in Wollongong. Guys, guys, it's right in front of us. It's in plain sight. They're not even hiding it now. Even on election day, they still believed that the AEC were running the New South Wales election. But we hear mention of the pens, the ballot boxes. Can you imagine being in charge of the booth that Dave and Mel were manning? Like, think about that. Just, oh, just bad day at work. Bad day at work. <laughs> just for a minute, imagine what it was like. When Dave released this clip, I don't think any of us were that surprised. 
So what yeah, what have I done there? So she she jumped me, man. You heard me, I pulled my wife out of there, said, We'll go and ring John Smith and Tom Rogers. Yeah. Yet I'm the one in trouble. Come on, guys. But the building is. She's incorrect. Go and have a look. The building is public access. Her office is not, and we never went in it. Come on, sir. But that's okay. I can still ask a question, mate. I'm second on the card. I have maybe hundreds of thousands of people out there voting for me. I have a right to see and ask questions about where the votes are being taken. Mate, you're kidding me. You're kidding me. You're in an echoey room. You heard that. I pulled her out of there. I went in the elevator while my wife continued. And then I called my wife out and we left. You're, you, come on, sir. We are kidding ourselves here. Yeah. Yes, thank you. No. No, a record won't be made because I didn't do any. You just, sir, you have just heard that. I would like you guys to go and visit her in the morning and have her on perjury, malfeasance, defamation, whatever you would like. You just heard that video, sir. And I, and what did I do? This is just not right. This is not right, man. I'll push this. Another run-in with people around them that required a police visit. Hundreds of thousands of votes, he reckons. Hmm. So imagine the confusion when the votes start coming in and it just doesn't feel right. Where are all those votes? It was very, very funny watching it transpire on Telegram. They were very happy and then they were very confused. Then they were very happy there was the normal confusion about how votes are counted so quickly and how all the votes should be counted in one stretch. I mean, they really did seem to think that they should start counting and not actually stop or take breaks until all the votes were counted. At one point, when they had 0.3% of the vote, someone thought that meant they had 30% of the vote. <laughs> the funniest bit about that was other people were trying to, like, correct the person. <laughs> They just weren't having it. So as it dawned on them that they were not, in fact, going to install Big Rick as the boss of Australia, they naturally moved seamlessly into the next phase. It was stolen. But they had a plan for this. You go to their website and declare that you voted for Group U. Simple. Easy done. So a bunch of people obviously used this information that they shared on open channels and proceeded to declare they'd voted for him. Some of the names they lodged their declarations with were very, very funny. Uh, it would have been very amusing to see if they actually worked it out at A1 headquarters. I don't think, I don't think they would have. <laughs> <laughs> Look, to be honest, the whole purpose for this repetitive game of playing politics is really just to build Bosey's profile. The US patriot movement salivates over a big steel narrative. The orange man himself is still talking about it. And every time Bosey runs, he gets to go on their channels and talk about a huge fraud that's being perpetuated across the world by the elites. Back to the ballot boxes thing for a second. The harassment of workers at multiple booths was crazy. 
People who are helping to run a democratic process, having random people filming them live, sharing their names, in some cases filming their car regos, just aggressive, ill-informed people having their time as the main character. It was yuck. Oh, I hate that stuff. The other thing that happens with this stuff is that it opens the door for other influencers to also generate more content. So what is a public servant? A public servant is someone whose wages are paid by the taxpayer to serve the taxpayer. They are servants of the public. They are there to serve. You are servants. Do you understand? My taxes and my neighbor's taxes pay for you to serve members of the public. So when the mainstream media target those members of the public who have genuine questions about the people that are serving them, They are required to answer because our taxes pay for them to provide an answer. Do you understand how this exchange works? Mainstream media, news.com today, do you understand how this exchange of our taxes for these people that are paid to serve the public actually works? Because the reason that some of the AEC staff and other public servants were able to eat a meal with their family tonight was because I pay my taxes. Their last mortgage payment came from my neighbour paying their taxes. That's how this works. So them being able to continue paying their mortgage and feeding their family means they need to answer my questions. We got that? All right, very good. So when you write articles about people that have genuine questions who have a very real reason to have those genuine questions because we have witnessed election practices in the past that were not, uh, you know, above board. We witnessed people that were employed by an agency that just so happened to have links with the WEF in the, in the federal election, we witnessed them telling people that they couldn't vote for independent candidates. So whether that was intentional or not, I'm not saying it was, but whether it was intentional or not, we have the right to say, hmm, maybe the AEC staff or the New South Wales Electoral Commission staff aren't very competent and we should be questioning some of their competency. Part of that questioning includes asking, why is this man sitting here with something that appears to be a ballot paper? Now, I don't know whether it was or wasn't. A lot of people are saying it doesn't look like a ballot paper. It certainly is the length of one. Why is he sitting here with an eraser, which he should not have? As a New South Wales Electoral Commission staff member, he shouldn't have an eraser on him, I can guarantee you, whether it's pre or post election. Why are we rubbing things out? And what exactly was the administrative paperwork that he was attending to allegedly before the election? They really don't understand life very much, do they? Do they really think that every public servant has to respond to every single thing every single person wants to talk to them about? How would anything happen in government if every person's individual views needed to be catered to? And it turns out that wasn't a ballot paper the official was erasing on. When this was pointed out to Maria, she couldn't just say face. She had to then admonish the official for having a rubber on him in the first place. (laughs) Well, maybe that is so he can correct any mistakes and ensure everything is recorded properly, Maria. (laughs) Unsurprisingly, Big Rick had a prepared video ready to go. And guess what, guys? They won. Yep. Turns out they weren't (laughs) trying to win any seats after all. They were just proving there was election fraud. And even though people voted for Labour and Liberal, Rick's pretty sure they didn't really want to. If there was nothing... Uh, untoward about their behaviour, as was claimed by the EC in in response to our request. Why were they so frightened? 
why did they intimidate people to delete the videos if there was nothing wrong? You see, once again, the big steel is on and their lies, their explanations have more holes than a block of Swiss cheese. Now, while we grow stronger with every election and the electorate grows stronger every election, our adversaries grow weaker. They have fewer volunteers, fewer donations, and definitely less trust from the electors. It was abundantly clear throughout the entire election they wanted to vote for anybody but Liberal Labor. Now, they might have done so because they couldn't think of anything else to do. However, it was abundantly clear to us that trust with the majors has gone. And not only that, we're still here. It doesn't matter what they throw at us, we are still here. And even the ABC election analyst, Anthony Green, has broken from his usual impartial silence to express frustration on social media some weeks ago that we are still here. They cannot believe it. They cannot understand it. That's the strength of A1, and that's the strength of the people moving forward. So it looks like around 27,000 people voted you for you, which most certainly isn't all the people that might consider themselves freedom warriors. Some of them will have voted for IMOP, some for One Nation or Craig Kelly or even the Lib Dems. But A1, they didn't preference any other party, which is a little bit silly as their votes just meant absolutely nothing in the end. Sums them up, really. Okay, good morning, people. Just another quick TikTok. We need you to go to myvote.one. We need you to go to the elector declarations, right? Just fill it in. Name, address, okay, who you voted for. It's a test, guys, right? We need to see whether the New South Wales Election Commission is accurate. Okay, so we need everyone that voted for us to go to myvote.one, go to the elected declaration, right, and fill it out. Okay, name and address. That's all we need, guys. We've got to see whether these guys are above board. Okay, the only way to test them out is to start and collate our information and hold it against their information. We know that things aren't adding up in the booze. Allegedly, things are happening that shouldn't be happening. So, people, it's your vote. As I said to you last night, this is your vote, people. If you want it stolen, don't react. I think you ought to activate, people. Allegedly, it's being stolen. Bye. The other big thing that happened since our last episode relates to everyone's favourite Oompa Loompa, the one and only Donald J. Trump. Looks like the law finally caught up with him and he is facing 34 charges relating to falsifying business records around the payoff to Stormy Daniels. This has resulted in some of the best Trump art we have seen. Everything from him dressed in a New York cop outfit in the courtroom to riding a dinosaur. Oh, riding a dinosaur. I love it. I, I, can't, I can't tell you how much I love this stuff. Anyone, please, if you see good Trump tribute art, tag us in. Yeah, love please. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, they have extracted victory from the jaws of defeat. So the new theory is that they only arrested Trump to get us used to presidents being arrested so when they arrest Biden and Obama, we won't be shocked. Right. <laughs> the weirdest <laughs> thing about this, though, is they don't appear to be predicting the arrest of George Bush or any other Republicans. It feels of like it's course. only Democrats who are about to be right. arrested. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, many of your people may have heard that Donald Trump is about to be arrested. Now, first question is, why would this be telegraphed to the world? Well, there's a reason for that. They want people to watch. But why is Trump going to be arrested? Well, let me answer it this way. You've heard of predictive programming. 
you know that they've been showing us movies for years and then when it actually happens in, for reality, there is no surprise. It's called predictive programming. Go back a few, a little while. Do you remember when Mar-a-Lago, Trump's estate, was raided by the FBI? There was a shock and horror and how dare they, you shouldn't do this. See, the first time anything happens, people get very agitated, very exercised over it. But the purpose of that, it was a setup too. You're watching a show. Please buy your, your, your soft drink and your popcorn and watch the show. The reason they did that to Trump, and it was a complete setup, was so they wanted to target Biden and then go through his stuff. So when they went through Biden's um, papers, there was no surprise and shock from the people because psychologically they'd already watched Trump get raided. And so they say, well, if Trump got raided, then fair enough, let's go. If they want to uh, investigate Biden and, and go through his papers, then uh, no problem. The same thing is happening now. Now work it out for yourself, see if you can put the last piece into place. Trump's about to be arrested. Why? in order to begin the arrests of the others. You see how it works? Now, the guy actually being arrested won't be Trump, he's a double. That's part of the game too. But they have to arrest Trump, so people, the normies out there, will go through the shock, horror, oh my God, that's terrible. And it's over, what, Stormy Daniels? <laughs> Please. But they'll get that psychological shock, they'll get that out of the way, and then when Biden gets arrested, they'll go, oh, yeah, that's fair enough, because they arrested Trump last month, so they're going to arrest uh, Biden this month, and Obama, and Clinton, and Pelosi, and all of them. The arrests are starting. That's what they're trying to show you. That's why Trump is being arrested. One thing that we have seen is the introduction of NCSWIC to sit alongside WWG1. WGA, which is nothing can stop what is coming. Now sits next right. to where we go one, we go all. So ah. you may start to see that one. So this is them basically saying that the storm is here. Okay, got it. There's also been an increase in posts predicting Nasara Gasara, that gold and silver is going to become the new currency, a whole heap of stuff, a whole heap of stuff. Good afternoon. So one thing that's appearing a lot and people are thinking about and asking questions about is money and they're getting hung up a bit on you know like the 11 years for it to be paid out and stuff like that now bear in mind there's already a lump sum in there anyway we're going to be financially abundant the minute we get our quantum financial account then the amount of money that has to come to us it's going to take that long to get it to us because you're talking ridiculous amounts of money everybody will be living an abundant life um, I personally think they will reevaluate the money because stuff I've been hearing from financial experts and stuff like that there's no way that we can have millions everybody have millions of pounds of money when the prices are going to go back down to when they were in 1950s so like in other countries around the world at the minute the RV is taking place where they've knocked a lot of zeros off the currency because it is just not needed. I think it's going to be the same in this country. I think we will be completely abundant of money even after they take the zeros off or some zeros off because we will still have, even with buying everything we need, buying houses for like seven to 10 grand, we're still going to have abundance of money sat there. The point behind it, what I'm trying to say is people are like not really thinking where we're going. Money will not be important. Society is going to be completely different. And this is 
where enlightened societies end up. We come working, you start working together instead as a collective. Money was imposed on us and pushed on us and they made it important. They made us desperate for money to survive. They made us have to think about money every second of every day. Can I do this? Can't I do this? Have I got enough for this? How do I balance? They made money important. Now we're going to take that pressure away. So money won't be important anymore because everybody will have enough to get whatever they want whenever they need it anyway. And this is where we need to move forward. Money will not be important. And then we've got the med beds. So illnesses are going to be taken care of. Disease is going to be taken care of. Tesla discovered that everything runs on a certain frequency. He discovered that different diseases run on different frequencies. And by targeting those frequencies, it was literally destroying the disease, destroying cancer. Just by sitting in a cage that he'd invented that was pumping out this particular frequency. This is technology that's a, literally a hundred years old and, and it's not, it's just been suppressed. That's one of the 6,000 technologies that's coming out. There's going to be a whole new world of things to get trained into. It's going to be insane. It's going to be completely different. <laughs> Medbeds. Perhaps the most extraordinary flow-on from Trump's arrest has been the impact it's had on the Saturday Walking Club down here in Melbourne. When the arrest appeared imminent, Matt, keeper of the speakers, decided to ban all Trump merch, saying it reflected poorly on them with the public. One of the things that people uh, mentioned after last week's rally was uh, the Trump flag. Now, it's my opinion that there's no place in this rally for the Trump flag. I want to know some feedback. If anyone is happy for us to say, as a collective, we don't fly the Trump flag. I think if I don't get any pushback, we will just say at this stage, we keep the flags to those representing the movement. And again, I'm not trying to censor anybody, but as I've said before, anyone who shows up here is a representation of this movement. So if the public see the Trump flag, they may assume that we're on board with what he did. And to me, Trump represents warp speed. He's still claiming to have saved millions of lives with his vaccine program. And that is not what we're about, in my opinion. The Trump flag here represents the whole movement. And Don, I don't know if you want to say something about it, because I know that you're a Trump supporter. I personally, and I've got a lot of feedback that that is not what the movement's about. That's why so, I believe, and this is just my opinion, yeah? And I'm happy to go with what the movement wants to do, yeah? If the movement wants to allow Chinese flags and Trump flags, well, then that's not the movement for me. If the movement wants to allow communist flags, that's not the movement for me. Yeah, but it was here. 
Given the amount of discussion they decided to delay their decision till later and hit their weekly step count. But during the week, one of the protesters put a post up on Facebook kind of insinuating Matt was, well, a Freemason. Oof, kiss of death. So Trump is arrested midweek and Saturday rolls around and it became apparent pretty quick that the Trump army was not going to take this lying down. There were flags, big flags, sometimes stacked three high. There was where we go one, we go all hoodies. So would Matt again make an appeal to leave those flags behind? Name one thing that I said is wrong. Trump, Trump purchased 800 million doses, Tom. That is a fact. Trump is Mr. Warp Speed. The US government, initiated by Trump, has purchased $39 billion worth of vaccines. That is a fact. If you want to support Trump, that's on you. I will never walk behind a Trump flag. And that's your choice. I will never walk behind a Trump flag. So if you want to walk by the Trump flag, you've made a point. Good luck to you. I'm not walking with you, son. You don't have to walk. Oh, no, exactly. It's a democracy. So if that's what the majority wants, I don't have a problem with that. I will go and do something else with my time. Simple as that. You're no better than a government. You're no better than a government. Okay, I think the movement's spoken. The the movement is happy to walk by the Trump flag. I won't. You're hero. You're hero. And with that, Matt was voted off Epstein Island, took his speakers, and literally rolled them away. <laughs> it was a very, very funny sight because they were then stuck there at Parliament, and there was like <laughs> the, the people who obviously were Magadon fans, and then there was people who were obviously in Matt's camp. But then there was like this group of other people who kind of didn't know like God. what they should do. What? What's going like, on here? Like, Which like, side do I take? Poor lost little sheep in the field, not knowing, you know, what. <laughs> which what, uh, which what, group what, am I part of now? <laughs> should I follow? <laughs> so they were literally just like walking around like, I don't know, robot short circuiting until they, until they kind of worked it out. Well, together, united, we'll never be divided. Okay, let's chat about my place, Sandy. <laughs> yes. Let's chat about the ABC segment that aired on 3rd of April that caused quite a bit of chaos mm. in the in everybody's camps. <laughs> so as some of you may be aware, we had a hand in putting that together. Well, more so I did. See, 
Emily Baker, who is the ABC 730 investigative journalist who put that segment and article together, reached out to me a few weeks prior and let me know that she had organised with Darren to meet at the next market and interview him and that she had planned to do an investigative piece on the group. So she wanted a little bit more of a background on him as she had heard our podcast episode, which we did late last year, and she found the story quite interesting. Her aim was to get an idea of my place through Darren's words, but also explore some of the things and actions they are not as open about, the stuff that we exposed. So Sandy was more than happy to oblige and provide some balance that Darren may not provide himself. I believe Darren would have been stoked at the opportunity to get his face and my place into mainstream to recruit. And I expressed that concern to Emily. I believe my place is a front to get people in with their cute markets and fun social activities, but then red pill them, as we explained in our episode that we did on them. So as this story was already planned to go ahead by ABC, I was grateful to provide this side of my place to them. In particular, a recent tweet I had sent out highlighting that Darren posted an anti-Semitic video to his Telegram, which is where Darren goes to post his more, well fringe and controversial ideas and thoughts. It wasn't news to anyone that Telegram is his go-to place to post that stuff, with him having admitted that the ladies of my place had told him not to post it on Facebook as it would get their group removed. And this lies in why they all turn towards Telegram, because it's a place to go where their content won't be monitored or removed. It's also why we hang out there so much, because it's where you really get to see who they are and what they really think. Yeah, Emily was aware of it too, but this video was a few minutes long and was titled Jewish Power in Australia. It's pretty obvious what this is about, but it was put together describing Jewish people as terrible people, and that is all we will say about it on here. But basically, conspiracies tend to always land here to the Jewish question where they contemplate whether the Holocaust happened, whether the numbers were fudged, whether Hitler was just misunderstood. This is how they can then stand in front of a Nazi and feel no anger or disgust whatsoever and why I call them hypocrites for all the talk of dictator Dan and Nuremberg trials 2.0 etc etc and well Darren landed here too unfortunately. So Emily knew she wanted to look at Darren's group and their activities towards the councils as they had been in the news a fair bit lately, disrupting meetings with cops being called, nasty emails and threats being sent to councillors, with their focus being on fringe views such as 5G and 15-minute cities. Their behaviour at councils was bringing attention our way, as we had been openly talking about this on Twitter and on our podcast. It was after speaking to me that she was able to also add the sovereign stuff, BOCI, the anti-Semitic views and the 5G notices and the flag hanging up on the wall inside. So we were able to bring a bit more balance to it where it wasn't all about Darren and the front they present to the public. The only thing I wish I had spoken to her about more was the flag. When the segment aired, they immediately jumped on her for calling it a maritime flag, which it is and was always intended to be, but they believe it is the land flag because that ended up being the unofficial use for it back in the day. Some of our Anzacs fought under it. Well, officially... They fought under the Union Jack flag, but there is evidence some of them carried the Red Ensign flag to war. Bear with me while I explain a bit about the flag. See, the flag they stand under is the Red Ensign flag that was designed after Federation in 1901, 
when the British government requested Australia come up with a flag to represent the newly formed Commonwealth of Australia. A competition was created for design ideas from the public and over 30,000 entries were made. The winning design was similar to the flag that we fly today. The Union Jack on the top left corner, that's to represent Britain. The Southern Cross stars on the right to represent the continent and the six-pointed star placed under the Union Jack. The six-pointed star represented the six states of Australia. A red and navy blue ensign were created. The red one was for merchant navy shipping and the blue one was for government use only. It was technically illegal for anyone to use the blue ensign flag outside its official government use. So the people seemingly turned to the red ensign flag and took it on as their own, with it gaining popularity in the first half of that century. That was until the mid-1900s when the 1953 Flag Act made the blue ensign flag the official flag of Australia for everybody, which we all fly today. But the six-pointed star was changed in 1909 to the Federation star with seven points to then represent the six states and the territories. Our first coat of arms had the seven-pointed star created at the same time. There is evidence that soldiers in World War I and II used both red ensign flags with the two different stars, as well as the blue ensign flags too. So when contemplating why the freedom movement insists on the six-pointed star specifically, it's still a little bit unclear. One other theory that was brought to me by a listener is that King Edward VII did not wear the correct crown during his coronation in 1902. Therefore, he was not properly sworn in, I guess, (laughs) and the government was illegitimate. And therefore, we the people must return to the original flag from before that, which is the flag with the six-pointed star. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) It's... (laughs) I don't know either. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I don't think even they know, to be honest. I, I don't think even they know either, to be to be fair. One thing, though, they call that seven-pointed star ensign, especially the navy blue one, the flag of the corporation. So you definitely will hear them talk about the corporate flag, and that's what they're talking about. But it should be noted here that the RSL have openly condemned the use of the red ensign flag by protesters, saying that the flag was never used as a protest flag, and the fact they sometimes fly it upside down meaning the country's in distress, is highly disrespectful to the Anzacs and the soldiers that fought and sacrificed their lives for the country. This statement was released during the war memorial protest in Melbourne back in 2021. But at the end of the day, it really is hard for the regular person, whether a journalist or not, to understand pseudo-legal ideologies, their symbols in detail, and then explain those in an eight-minute segment. I mean, come Mm. on. (laughs) Ultimately, Like, it's all kind of nonsense anyway. But the gist of it is that if you see the red ensign flag with the six-pointed star, you know what you are now dealing with. It is literally a red flag. (laughs) (laughs) Look, got to be honest, when after it aired, it it was a little bit brutal (laughs) (laughs) with, with, with feedback. And a lot of people questioned, you know, was this platforming? And we certainly did understand people's concerns. But the interview was already happening. The story was already going to go out. So instead of it being all about these concerned citizens, uh, this good Aussie bloke just angry with the government, I mean, who isn't? Yeah. We had an opportunity to reveal a little bit more about the group. 
than what was presenting to the public. And Emily didn't just take our word for it. No. Uh, you know, we we do we did have other resources that we were able to give her, and then she obviously did her own due diligence on that as well. And the Holocaust thing, that completely obliterated their public front. For those who didn't see the segment, this was his answer when Emily put the question to him. Darren Bergworth says he condemns violence. In recent weeks, he shared anti-Semitic conspiracy theories to My Place followers on social media. This is the language that Nazis use. No, it's not. That's your term. That's your term. And that's the term of the, of the mainstream media, calling people that want to out the truth right, and expose what's going on. They get labelled. Right? We shouldn't be getting labelled. But the, the video you shared talked about the fabricated Holocaust. Do you believe that was fabricated? I have no idea. I have what no do you idea. mean? It's an established fact of history. It was Look, an abhorrent event. There we, I think you'll find over the next um, uh, six months, there's a lot of so-called established facts of history. So you don't believe be in the Holocaust? I don't know, one way or another. I wasn't there. Where? Back in, in Thingo. So I, I don't know that as being fact, unless I'm actually there. So it's all kind of, um, you know, reports. The debates raging after that segment aired were surprising and, and fascinating. At first, Darren and the members of my place were pretty stoked uh, because they said they were getting an influx of new members joining their main Facebook group. Many people praised Darren for speaking so well and representing them so well. Some called it fake news. Some were devastated that they'd been portrayed that way. It was interesting when you hold a mirror up to them, just how they're going to react. Yeah, they immediately disown it. Everything that was pointed out in the segment that they didn't like was true to their group, though. No one made this up, and it was them that told us they have these beliefs in the first place. Sauce and I aren't sitting here making fanciful stories up. Do you think we could make this shit up, Sauce? (laughs) (laughs) Not in a million years. We've spent time in these spaces hearing them out, listening to them, and then sharing it with you guys, our listeners. Emily did her own investigation into it, interviewing many people, experts who also backed us up. She spoke to Darren directly and asked him about it all straight up also. She went there and she spent time with them too. They got to show her their best side as well. I mean, when I went to the market, there was no live music and no dogs. (laughs) I thought that was very nicely done, my place. (laughs) They went all out that day to impress. I think Emily did a really good thorough job and her article the next day was the second most read article behind Trump. And look, the council thing is concerning. Like we have said before that people should get involved in local issues. But part of what they do is bring people from outside the local area into meetings to argue against things they just personally don't believe in. They don't participate in the process. They want to create their own process. Don't get us wrong. Local councils are not the last bastions of democracy. There are many examples of councils doing the wrong thing. But that doesn't mean that they can use their very loud voices to speak against things that they just don't like. And it certainly doesn't mean local councillors should be abused. Finding people who are willing to work at local level is hard enough. Yeah, and what worries me is when they don't get their way, what happens then? And their recent pivot towards removing LGBTQIA plus rights. Mm. 
So a couple of days went by and I had been sitting back just watching what the reaction was to this segment. And one of the things that stood out for me was the new members that were joining the My Place Facebook group and how not all were awake people as they claimed they were. Apparently, these new members found them after watching ABC sauce. Um, Mm. Yeah, okay. Um, Many said that they had joined after being sent an invite. So that was a little bit of a, wait, hang on. I thought you said that they came. Sounds like you potentially just invited everyone who was in another My Place group that maybe wasn't in the main My Place Australia group. <laughs> and the other I mean, clue is that these people don't watch ABC. <laughs> correct. Right? You know, when I, when I saw the guys from Cafe Cooked, uh, the lady from Billboard Battalion, Battalion, David Stills, like, oh, guys, I didn't know about you. I mean, come on, come on. <laughs> I did catch one out in a lie who said she had joined them after watching the ABC segment, except her joining date, because you can see that, right? If you go onto their profile, it was two weeks before. <laughs> <laughs> and I do wonder just how many of these new followers were actually people from our side. Mm-hmm. Maybe the biggest clue was that there were new people who had joined who didn't agree with them and started challenging them on all their beliefs. And that was really good to see. Finally, Darren was being challenged instead of worshipped blindly. And the Holocaust thing was causing Darren a bit of grief. So after a few days, Darren admits defeat and puts out a public statement to apologise for his comments on the Holocaust. Good morning, everybody. Uh, it's Darren Bergworth here. Uh, just doing this short video to clarify uh, some angst that I've caused uh, around the country in the community uh, from a 7.30 report on the ABC on Monday night. Now, uh, I've made a couple of mistakes uh, that I'm taking full ownership of in the last couple of weeks. The first one being a uh, forwarding of a video that I didn't actually watch the whole video to a My Place Telegram page and uh, that video contained some things uh, in it that uh, was actually was wrong and it was divisive. Uh, So uh, I take ownership of that, that was a mistake. Then also the the ABC uh, reporter that uh, asked a question about that, the research she'd done, uh, and I answered that uh, ineptly and uh, in the wrong fashion on uh, on that show. So I just uh, done this video to do an informal apology and to say uh, sorry to the uh, survivors and the families of the survivors of the Holocaust uh, that uh, I'm not denying that took place. I do believe that it is a fact uh, that millions were murdered in Nazi Germany in the 1940s. And I just wanted to clarify that, uh, you know, I do accept that that is um, part of history and that uh, I'm certainly not racist and no one in, a, in the My Place communities are racist uh, by any stretch and anyone that knows me uh, would uh, would know that. Um, and it just seems very um, uh, coincidental, I guess, uh, that we are right in the middle of the Passover, um, which uh, means freedom and peace. And, and that is what I am all about. Um, it is bringing, back, uh, bringing people back together, uniting communities, um, and uh, it's very unfortunate that uh, I've made these mistakes in such a public way. Uh, but once again, uh, my uh, sincere apologies. And um, I, I'm sorry to the communities that have been affected by that. And hopefully we can move on and unite uh, and come together as one, as one people um, against, and, um, and move forward. 
Thank you. Not so quick, though. <laughs> His questioning of the Holocaust caught the attention of the same boys in black who stood on the Parliament steps throwing up those salutes with a prominent member joining My Place Telegram chat, encouraging them to watch a documentary that I will not name here, and to read Mein Kampf, followed by postings of other Telegram users of very obvious Nazi topics, <sighs> and Darren and the admins, nothing, nothing. No no Kazban, no, hey guys, we don't accept that here. Just nothing, still there, still up. They still have a bit of a ways to go. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Ricardo Bozzi, National Leader of Australia One, and welcome to 2022. Hope you've had a good break over Christmas, had a chance to reconnect with family and friends. Now, 2022, as we've been saying for some time, is going to be a better year for us, but that doesn't mean we won't have any challenges. But to start the year off slightly differently, I want to introduce you to someone. And for some of you, you will know this, this Australian champion. You will have seen her before. But I want to introduce you to uh, Michelle Lee. Michelle is a, uh, an ocean rower, and she's going to row the Pacific Ocean this year. Well, she's going to start this year, depending on winds and currents, it may go into next year. But that's another story. We'll talk about that slightly in a little bit. But first, I'll introduce you to her and what she's done to qualify herself, in her mind, for this um, extraordinary challenge. Extraordinary challenge, to say the least. There were cheers and hugs in far north Queensland this morning when the first woman to row solo across the Pacific stepped ashore in Port Douglas. Michelle Lee left Mexico in her little boat 237 days ago. She started the day as a dot on the horizon, but stroke by stroke, Michelle Lee edged closer to the end of an amazing adventure. What a way to finish this epic, epic, long journey. Boisterous supporters gathered on the dock at Port Douglas. And finally, after seven months at sea, their Shelley was home. There's no place like home. She left Mexico last August and for the past seven months has battled across the Pacific to Queensland, a record-breaking 14,000-kilometre odyssey. There's relief, it's joy. Um... And uh, I guess now it'll be a matter of just it sinking in. Family called her every day, but out in the waves, it was just her and her seven-metre boat, the Australian maid. It was torture. It was actually torture to be, you know, like the whole time I was out there in the middle of nowhere, completely isolated. I was never lonely. After so long at sea, her legs need to readjust, but for the first time in a long time, help is at hand. Alexandra Cullen, 7 News. There's no doubt that when the pandemic hit and everyone was forced into lockdowns that it turned a lot of people's lives upside down. While the majority of us Netflixed and chilled, worked with a panicked public, closed their businesses or jumped in to help out with the response to a deadly virus directly, some sat on social media slowly getting red-pilled. It was during this time that Michelle Lee had an awakening. Having completed a challenging row across the Atlantic Ocean and having bigger challenges in sight, Michelle Lee decided she just needed to find a cause, and now she had one, freedom. Really, it came to me that as I was watching Australia and Australians, and I was watching the Australian spirit just fade, and I was watching everybody look like they were 
repressed and they were suppressed. And I'm thinking, man, where's the Aussie spirit gone? And then that's when it came to me in a meditation. I'm sitting there asking, how can I do this? You know, what could be my cause? And Australia One came to me and also the cause, which was Road for Freedom. So it's inspired by wanting to reclaim the Aussie spirit that we, you know, we're renowned for. We're known for that. We are iconic. Think of the Anzac spirit, you know. Um, and then, of course, that led me down many other little rabbit holes that I've now sort of seen. And it's it's about rowing for freedom for so many things. It's, you know, freedom of speech. It's freedom of choice. It's, you know, let's get rid of coercion, manipulation, bullying. We're looking at the corruption. It's highlighted so many things. The past two years has really made me come out of my coma. So I was... Uh, in a world of denial, I was in this little bubble that I had created for myself where I, I literally didn't know what was going on around me. You know, I don't watch news, I don't read newspapers, I don't listen to radio. Um, but I had created this little bubble of, uh, you know, not knowing what politically is going on. I didn't know what the state of our country was uh, in. And then when I felt like I was being backed up against the wall into the corner and being forced to take something that did not agree with me. Vibrationally, it just did not agree with me. And I, I do a lot of stuff by feeling. I talk a lot about, you know, being true to your core. Uh, what is your moral compass? These are the things that I live by. And you don't always know why you might feel that feeling of, you know, it's not just not quite right. But I actually listen to that and it always reveals itself later. I've learned that as I get older, you know, I'm, I'm heading into the into 50 now. So over the years, I have learned that you need to listen to your gut. You need to trust your gut. It's never wrong. And really, that is what got my back up. It's like the hairs on the back of my neck were standing up at the idea that I was going to be forced to take something I didn't want to take. And this is what really made me open my eyes and it made me come out of, I call it my coma. And I thank, you know, some of the people around me, in particular, Molly, my naturopath, she'd been trying to wake me up for, you know, two years prior. She'd been trying to wake me up of things that are happening right underneath my nose. And I used to walk out of there going, no, 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 don't tell me anymore. And I used to be annoyed and think, why do you keep doing this to me? <laughs> Until you... Feel like it is impacting you personally, I've learned it means nothing to you. So all of a sudden I had a voice, all of a sudden I had anger and I thought that's it, this is going to be row for freedom, which stands for so many things. And this will give me that real, um, you know, when you've got a cause that you're passionate about, man, you found your purpose, that's what's happening to me. And um it will give me that <clears throat> that I need in those moments of despair. I know I'm going to suffer them. You know, we are completely isolated. I'm going to be solo, nonstop, unassisted. It's three times bigger. So I can expect to be out there for, you know, anywhere between six and 12 months. And, uh, you know, I've learned a lot about isolation. We've all just suffered, you know, two years of isolation. And it made me realise how much humans need connection. And it was human connection that I missed the most in those 68 days. So for the next row in my prep, I've had to do a lot of um, mental work and I've had to build a little mental toolbox so that 
uh, I can now deal with the extended isolation that I'm going to be experiencing. So with the help of Ricardo and Rhiannon at Australia One and other sponsors such as the Silva Method, which is a self-help improvement course you can take that helps you learn meditation and psychic abilities. I mean, <laughs> you can improve your life and mind control people around you for only 1200 bucks. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't she go by herself, Sandy? Who's she mind controlling while she's oh, out there? Her own. <laughs> Dolphins, sharks, the fish. The shark that jumped on her boat, maybe. <laughs> She did have some serious sponsors such as Speedo as well, but she definitely placed Australia One and Silver Method above the others. Maybe the Silver Method isn't all that bad since she did just row the Pacific. Pay 1200 bucks and you too can row the Pacific. <laughs> so Michelle spent 237 days alone on the ocean making her way across and she finally made it back on land to a crowd cheering for her, including Carl Boldly, who had been tracking her voyage on her Voice for Freedom YouTube show. Ricardo wasn't there though. He must have been online to his buddies and his American worshippers that day. Hmm, shame. <laughs> One problem, she rode for freedom for the cause of the unvaccinated and lockdowns, yet at least the last half of her trip there were no lockdowns. And the majority of the mandates had been removed. People had already moved on with their lives. <laughs> and there's Michelle in self-imposed isolation, returning <laughs> to a country where her cause just didn't really matter anymore. Oh, what a shame. All that effort. She can become the darling of the freedom movement that has seen a few pivots since she left. So will she too become a pseudo-legal adherent? Or will she move towards anti-trans? I guess we'll soon find out how far in she really is. Oh, we will. We'll be keeping an eye on her. Don't you worry about that. But look, she did a great thing. That is actually pretty kick-ass. It is. I couldn't do it. Good on her. <laughs> look at Karen Brewer's car, everyone. Subtlety is not really her thing. The longer I remain unvaccinated, the more evidence I see supporting my decision. I agree. Freemasons are the virus and they're in every town. If we want to know if someone's um, a Freemason, where did they go to school? And who's their daddy? Gunther! My name is Karen! I have lost confidence in the government! Oh, it's like having a cooked sound bath when she yells. We just could not <laughs> let this episode go by. We're talking about the car. Yes, Karen! <laughs> I have to admit, I haven't paid a lot of attention to her lately, so when you said you had stuff on Karen to share, I was so excited. This is great. So we have seen some amazing car art on this journey, but this could be the best we have ever going to see. Can you imagine being the bloke on the other end of the phone when she made the first inquiry about it getting wrapped? Oh, Freemasons are the virus. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> so if you haven't seen it, she has had her whole car wrapped. Bonnet has a big syringe and giant writing that says, the longer I remain unvaxxed, the more evidence I see supporting my decisions. One side has 
Freemasons are the virus and the who's your daddy thing. And of course, the hashtag expose the 28. The back has a statement about meeting at the gate of state governor. And the funniest part for me, a QR code to join her Telegram channel. I mean, seriously, a QR code. I know, I know. My favourite bit is on the other side of the car. It has the Commonwealth of Australia Constitution Act printed on it. (laughs) (laughs) Look, you can't fault her commitment. So she plans on driving this up and down the East Coast, stopping in at governors along the way and is looking for people to get on board. We are on board. Consider us. Yes. (laughs) On board. Well and truly. (laughs) So, Albo. I just heard your little media statement there about this whole voice and the referendum and all this shit. Shite, absolute shite. Because what you're really doing is you're confessing that every Aboriginal minister, every government bureaucracy that you bastards, you Freemason inbred pharaonic bastards ever created has failed. That's what you confess in Albo. Well, I'm going to tell you something. The people of Australia, we're rising up to deal with you, Freemason, Demolay, inbred, pharaonic filth. Yeah, we're not going to allow you to abuse our Indigenous brothers and sisters no more. You're fucking done, Albo. You and all of your parliamentary mates and every government bureaucracy. Because that's what you've done today, Albo. You've confessed. You've all failed. Well, we're coming for you now, bastard. She really does get fully into character when she does one of these little clips. Have you ever wondered what happens when the governor does finally issue those writs? Well, Kaz has it all mapped out. First thing she wants is average Joes, you you and me, us guys, sitting in every seat. Obviously, though, you can't be a Freemason because what would be the point of kicking everyone out and putting Masons back in there? How will we know if they are Masons? Well... Every candidate needs to provide a complete history of what school they went to. (laughs) School badges will then be cross-checked, alumni lists perused. Next, you need to provide a family tree showing your daddy, who your daddy married, how many children and siblings, their occupations. (laughs) I mean, really, you might as well just get Ancestry.com to select the average Joes. The other people we definitely do not want are the do-gooders. So you are out if you're involved in a charity or a sports club or a Toastmasters club, the RSL, the Lions Club, no parent-teachers associations, none of it. The last thing we need are people who are (laughs) (laughs) community-minded. There's obviously a very detailed plan for elections. So when it's called, we all vote on the same day, no pre-polls. And we vote at local schools only. Preference voting is gone. So first past the post wins. And the count will be completed on site at the school. This is my favorite bit. (laughs) (laughs) Busloads of kids aged 12 to 14 will be tasked with counting. Oh, my God. That's my daughter's (laughs) age. Don't. That's so specific. 12 to 14. What happens to kids when they're 15? Can they, they, like, no longer count? I don't get it. Not not allowed. For some reason, she wants the votes counted three times, twice at the school, and then votes will be moved to the AEC for the final count. Wow. Oh, and political parties, gone. So now that we finally have free and fair elections, first order of business for the newly elected government is to revoke 
all legislation that's been passed since 1901. All of it. All right. Here we go. What a surprise. 1901 again. Here we go. Did we get the flag? That's the flag. That's the red (laughs) flag, the six stars. Okay, got it. Second order of business, ban Freemasons and any associated orders. So, sorry, scouts, you're done. Wow. Uh, Then we are going to collect all their stuff and set fire to it publicly. Whoa. I think I've heard something about setting fires to things publicly before, though. Next up, the gallows. Yep, any public servant that has ties to Freemasonry will be brought to a common law court to face a jury of their peers. Sports stadiums will be used for this as it needs to be public. One end of the stadium will be the court. (laughs) Stop laughing. You have to laugh. It's this is the this is the most perfect document that has great. ever been written. <laughs> All right, one end of the stadium will be the court. The other end, the gallows. If you are found guilty, off you trot to the goal square. <laughs> Then the public will take all your assets and you will be dumped at sea. This document <laughs> is pretty hectic and it absolutely demonstrates what they all want to happen. The only difference with Karen is she is willing to write it down and publish it. And by the way, I've only, like, this is only the first two pages <laughs> that we're talking about. <laughs> There's a lot more. There's a lot more. We might- There's stuff. We could, There's a lot more. We might pub, we, we might put the whole thing. That'll we'll dedicate in a, another episode to it. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah. It's almost it's like you know how Jack and Joe did the People's Treaty. Yeah. <laughs> this is what's going to happen when they win the New World Order. <laughs> this really needs more attention because it's very very specific in some parts. This document. Oh, I can't wait. It does make me wonder though. Do you think they're ever going to have a moment of reflection and go, huh? Wait, are we saying that we should burn books, ban associations, and then arbitrarily execute people? Does this make us the bad guys? Thanks for listening. Hope you're enjoying our news and views episodes while we work on a deeper dive. Make sure to let us know what you think. You can find us on Twitter at SunnySandyL and Sauce149. Take care, everyone. But before we go, here's more of Kaz, just because we love you. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye. Once upon a time... Not so long ago, grown adults would sit around their computer screens, tapping into a thing called Q, believing that there was some mythical person half a world away wearing a magic white hat. And this person half a a world away was coming all the way down to Australia and New Zealand to save your sorry little ass. Yes, grown adults would stay glued to the myth that was Q. Night and day, day and night, year after year. And while they sat about waiting for the mythical Q and his magic white hat, They sat so long that 
80% of their countrymen were injected with poison. They waited so long for Mythical Q and his magic white hat that most of their economy collapsed. But Mythical Q and the white hat is coming to save you. They waited so long for Q. People started dying. The economic system was teetering on collapse by the hour. And still the grown adults sat glued to Q. This mythical Q in a great white hat. They sat so long they died there in front of their little computer screen.